it's another lost tape or episode or stick around friends Okay, so this is actually part two of a Lost Tape. If you're wondering, this is the first one you're tuning in for. Lost Tapes, what is that? Well, see, here's the thing. This is Growing Up Punk. Uh, We used to be called Music to My Peers, and then we lost all of our episodes. Well, we changed our name, and then our episodes got deleted. And so anyway, we got them back, but none of them are online anymore. So we're re-uploading some of them. This being one of them, I say it's part two because if you notice... Like right below or right above, however your podcast app works or you've got it organized, you will see the Lost Tapes Dogwood. We talked about the entirety of Dogwood, their San Diego punk band from the late 90s, early 2000s. We talked about their entire discography on an old episode. And then this is a follow-up because Aaron got in touch with Josh, the lead singer of Dogwood, and did an interview. So that's what you're about to hear right Meow. So with the albums, the good old days and through thick and thin, we just kind of briefly touched on those ones. Um, can you give us maybe a brief overview of what was happening around that time with the band? You know, were you guys touring full-time, trying to make it a full-time band? And what do you remember from, from those days? From those days, from the good old days, if you yeah. will. Uh, <laughs> we're Sorry. There we go. First dad joke of the night. Yeah, keep um, coming. Okay. No, I was just kidding. Um, we were very young, and sure, we were trying to do it as full time as you could in back in the day. Those days, um, um, just just finished with high school, and trying to figure it out, and not. I guess I guess professional is not the word for the musicianship we were doing, but like that's where we were full time, just trying to play everywhere with everybody and and take it on the road. And we we're on the um, Rescue Records, so had the support of you know uh, the POD guys and yeah, Notice yeah, and Victim, awesome. um, and their San Diego-based label. So they uh, you know they pushed the, those first two records, plus a little EP in there, so a record and an EP. So like, um, yeah, we we did that for I think we were with them for a good three or three or four years, maybe. So yeah, it was a good, a good era for the band. Uh, right after my cousin Russ started drumming with us, we got, we started doing records. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can still remember, you know, seeing those, you know, ads in HM magazine or whatever for those album covers. And that, that was my first memory of you guys. Just like, man, those are, you know, just thinking that was so punk to have that old guy on the cover. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know we're just like, um, was that somebody's well, uh, grandma I mean, or who was that? I don't even. I don't even know. I don't think we were. Re- anyone was related to him. Oh, okay. Um, we we were working with his photographer, and he had some some photos of, of people from different areas in San Diego. And I think we, I think that was just we picked that one because we thought it was hilarious. Like you said, I think you said like it was in that vein of like the the lag wagon kind of like yeah, yeah. just whatever whatever random picture of somebody that maybe fits the album or something. But I guess the good old days title fit with kind of a, a person in you know in his an octogenarian golfer. I don't know what, maybe we were just, we just didn't know any better cause we were 18. Hey, well, I can't go wrong. With that. <laughs> <laughs> so what stands yeah. out from that time? Like regarding rec- those recording experiences and songwriting? It was my first time doing that. I was not a singer by any means. And, um, they just, cho- you know, the guys asked me to be in the band cause 
they felt I was crazy enough to to do it. I think like you know a little little wild or whatever. Yeah. So we kind of all knew each other in high school, and um, I had written poems and you know done some spoken word or rap mm-hmm. battles or whatever you want to call it. So they just said, "Hey, he's he, we're buddies. He's friend, we're friends, you know." And um, all kind of based out of the same church youth group. So just kind of morphed into the band and and um, slammed all my crammed all my lyrics over the fast music. Basically, I just got—I was just inspired by all the snowboarding and surf videos that I was watching at the time. Yeah. Um, compilation videos of, and there was like always really cool soundtracks, and I was like, "That sounds really awesome. I really like that." So, um, that's the kind of music I would love to do. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. About you know? that area. You know, I've heard, I've heard lots of people say they got into to punk music from watching skateboarding and snowboarding surf yeah. videos. You know, I remember those two, like the the Truth videos. I don't know if you guys ever had a song in those, uh-huh. but yeah, like this. I think so. Yeah. I mean, at the time it was, uh, um, I mean, also, cause we were, I mean, kind of when we started, there wasn't a lot of like, I guess, you know, Christian punk bands or, you know, even Christian yeah. skate videos or anything like that. So I was, I was only watching the ones that were out just in the, everywhere at surf shops and skate shops. Um, you know, it, this was not a genre. We it wasn't Christian music was, was around, but it wasn't Christian like skate music or anything right, like that. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least not that I knew of, not that I had heard, could hear on a surf video. Hmm. Um, until that came, that came a few years later even, or, you know, just shortly thereafter. But, um, so I was just inspired by the energy of that music, and plus I was big into those sports. So that was the music I was listening to while I was writing, writing my boards. You know, so um, I was really pumped on it, and I was like, "That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I want to do, and I want to play with those bands." Yeah. So yeah, and <laughs> that's why we started. Yeah, I think that's you know kind of lost now, where you associate music, you know, like you said, with with a certain sport, or you know, I don't think that really happens now. You know, just maybe you just think of jock jams when you think of sports, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, in a way, like in a way, there's like stadium rock or hair metal or anything like that, but you can play those kind of at the yeah, like at those sports. But I think definitely the the skate punk or you know whatever evolved out of the the thrash metal and and circle pit kind of punk. So like yeah. it's just it's just an evolution of the sport, like or the rhythm of the sport kind of too. Like you know, yeah, if you're an aggressive skater or aggressive surfer, that's your soundtrack, and then you got into more of the the soul surfing and style, you know, Jack Johnson kind of like acoustic vibes on the beat, you know, those kind of dudes. It was just like whatever your vibe was of your sport, that was your vibe of your music too. Right. Oh, well, good you thing know? I wasn't into curling. Who knows what that would have led me to. Oh, man, I'm going to write some curling songs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, so taking us to, to More Than Conquerors, how was the transition going forward with the band on Tooth and & Nail, and what were some of those significant things that happened after releasing that album? Um, so after more than conquerors, I think, so that was 98, 99. Yeah. yeah. Like that was pretty cool. Um, for us to, at the time that we joined tooth and nail records, um, it was right after rescue, right after independent release. Um, we had known tooth and nail just through all through, through various bands like MXPX and a couple of their, you know, slick shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. They were, cause they would, we would play with them in San Diego or anywhere else on the road that we could connect and um they're like yeah you should go to the no blah blah um and it just didn't work out until that it was like the perfect timing because um right when we're i think uh joining the the label um you know brandon had started brandon the owner had started um you know uh he was you know mxpx had already seen some some really good success with their records and so he was he i think he was excited about the 
about the about the genre and sound that we were kind of you know bringing out of San Diego and um, adding to the label. So he, we actually got to go record at um, Sound City in LA, oh, which wow. is like a rad, famous you know now documentary studio. Right. Uh, I mean, it became a documentary by Dave Grohl because, um, and then the guy that did our record, Nick Rasky Lennox, is now like crazy famous producer and we were like mm. i think we might have even been his first record that he produced wow that's really um, cool i didn't know that so that was a kind of little tidbit of fun and we're and we're in this room where there's all this history of los angeles or not just los angeles music but like crazy records all over the wall like platinum records tom petty nirvana red hot chili but you know raging the machine we're like what you know like we're like this is amazing you know like <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. um it was it was uh, it was just a cool experience, just staying in Los Angeles and you know doing that. We did our photo shoot in Hollywood and stuff, and you know at, we're ninety nine. We're still pretty young and impressionable, I guess, you know. Um, and then you know it turned out to be a really cool recording experience, just working with a, a, a professional Los Angeles team, and you know our uh, you know um, we had, we had just come off some really solid tours. Um, you know, uh, just we had been writing the songs for a while and um, honing our. Russell had rejoined the band because he wasn't with us on the independent record. Oh, okay. So he had re, he rejoined the band and we got signed. And so like we we're just kind of like on this on this awesome trajectory, you know, for for songwriting like um, for the next couple of records there. So yeah, it was it was it was just a really good experience. And then got um, get, getting some got some good press and we were. We were playing with all the bands that came through San Diego and got some really good shows and tours and stuff like that. So yeah, well, pretty stoked. What are some tours that that stand out to you? Like, what were some of the um, ones that maybe were like, okay, like we really think things are moving forward now? And like, was there a big shift kind of with signing with Tooth and Nail? Like, in my mind, when I saw bands signing with Tooth and Nail, I just assumed they were you know instantly big. And doing really well, but then when you know when I got to that place in a band, realizing oh, it doesn't necessarily change that much. Like there's still a lot of you know factors in there of you know booking agents and how are you getting your yeah. out there? I mean, it was a def- it was definitely a, a, a leap from. I mean, uh, um, it, it's a bigger it's a bigger label all around than what Rescue Records was was doing, just because Rescue Records is definitely a mom and pop operation. Um, Based on the success of, of of POD and the and a couple other bands on there, so and we we're all like all the bands kind of worked at at the label and you know booked everything, and so um, it was very like DIY. Um, and then we moved to Tooth and Nail. It's still DIY, of course, but like there's employees. We had A and R and you know a marketing or public publish pu- publicity department, you know stuff like that. So yeah. you know that's that's kind of cool already. Like oh wow, there's some there's other people helping us do this, you know. Um, and then they were just, um, you know, they wanted us to, they wanted us to succeed. So, um, I guess, I guess I always say like the band bands can be, bands can take it as far as like, as they want to go. Like you can be successful as you want to be if you put in the work for it. You got to put in the work, you know, if you're, there's bands that just want to do records and not tour. Well, that's about how good their records are going to do is just however, however, uh, I mean, Unless you get to a point, a certain point, like say like Radiohead, you can just put out a record and it sells. But like if you're not touring and you're like just a young band, like we were, nothing, nothing's going to happen. So you got to get out there. Yeah. So we were trying to get on some, get on some good stuff and um, you know tour toward the continent. You know, um, 
but I definitely played, you know, with with all the the big headlining shows in San Diego and stuff like that with the Fat Records bands that came yeah, through and awesome. and the, and the MXPXs and Supertones of the of the you know the festivals around here and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. that was good, and and it was cool that we got to play in in both. You know, I'm air quoting the secular and the Christian yeah, yeah. scene. You know, in Southern California, because the surf skate scene down here, uh, the the festivals and concerts and stuff, very, you know, if you're a good band, you're a good band. There's so like, you know, people will people will dig it. Okay, so you guys like, you, people are pretty welcoming to you in that because you know, just from listening uh, to different podcasts, not always. About, yeah, about that era, is, it seemed not like always. it was a lot more split and. It, it, it depends on where we were playing, uh, and that's for sure, or with with which bands. You know, if it's a big, if it's a big festival or concert and all the bands are already you know if all the bands are on tooth and nail then yeah all the crowds probably gonna be the same people right but if we're mixing it up with you know say like say like we play with you know like less than jake and aquabats and mxpx at one show that's that's a good mix of a crowd you know that's oh, yeah, that's, sure. that's not just that's not just like the mega youth groups and um the, the, all the churches that's like everybody which yeah. is cool and that's what well, that's that's what we always wanted to do because I would say, you know, I would, I, I wasn't in the bubble of having a hundred percent of my friends be church people or Christians. So like I knew there was other people out there that also enjoyed the same music as I did. And, 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 uh, yeah, it was just a fun, it was just a fun time to be around, but it, um, there was definitely times where I, w- I would say we weren't not necessarily that we weren't welcome, but that we were weird made fun of or, or, uh, just, it was just an easy thing to pick on. If you're like uh, automatically, someone could be like, yeah, hail Satan. And everyone's like, yeah. But if you say like, Oh, <laughs> you know, we go to church, they're like, get out of here. You yeah. suck. You know, I'm like, we didn't even say we didn't do anything. Yeah. But, um, or if we won a couple of San Diego music awards, uh, people would be like, Oh, that's, they're not punk rock, you know? Yeah. I'm um, like, so we had some, we had some pretty good, I would say not arguments, but discussions of like, what is punk rock or, you know, yeah. Jesus was pretty punk rock or like all these different things. Like, but then, you know, people just said like, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And were, like, were these you guys days. ever like preaching from stage or anything or was it just from whatever was in the lyrics? Oh yeah. Um, I think when the moment struck, it wasn't always like, we have to do, we have to do an altar call at every show or we're right, not, yeah. you know, doing our job. It was more like, I feel passionate about this. I have, we have a definitely, uh, you know, a, a faith this was born out of something something serious and we're not always sing. not every single song is a is a praise and worship song yeah. but because we're talking we're singing about like you know girls and families that we know getting raped or like you know parents getting divorced or we're singing about real things that are happening to, to kids our age but we also happen to be um coming out of this this um you know this youth group so we definitely that's that's what we knew we just knew our life happening in that uh in that narrative. So we were singing about that stuff for sure. Yeah. And, uh, um, so we were trying to relate to, to, we were trying to relate to everybody through our experiences and, you know, through these things. So if you, a lot of my lyrics are like from the perspective of a non-believer, if you will, like talking to mm-hmm. a Christian or like a non-believer asking about heaven or a Christian trying to talk to a non-believer who is, you know, basically mocking Christianity, you know, it, you know on, all, on all the different records, I have at least a couple of songs like that where it's like, this is a conversation that needs to happen. It's not just do this or else. It's like you know, there's there's actual questions that 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 we can answer or that we don't know the answers to. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, really so cool. which which is still the case. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, me neither. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of briefly just about being in in that Sound City studio. Um, yeah. For more than conquerors. So would you say like like that? 
um, the guy who produced it, did he have a like a big hand and in kind of helping craft those songs? And you know, because to me, there's a pretty big shift from um, through thick and thin to more than conquer is just in the songwriting and then you know just the maturity and the professionalism and the sound. So that's that- true, and a lot of it has to do with also like um, that shift on records. There was a different guitar player. Also, we got oh, okay. Sean. You know, Sean came on at the independent record. So we had so Jace was our original guitar player on the first two records, and in the inter in the independent record it was Jace and Sean. So it was so was with our forces combined, and then after that, Jace. You know, it wasn't not with Jace and um, uh, it was it was Sean. So Sean was the main um, songwriter um, musically. Actually, he wrote a lot of lyrics too, Hmm. and. so he so there's that already so that changed the the vibe and dynamic so we we were um we were meshing that way and um nick that producer he he is definitely a you know he was he would just be in the in the boardroom like you know like you know devil horns up like yeah do it again like you know like josh take the mic off the stand and run around the studio and just, you know belt this one out like yeah. i'm like what <laughs> you know like i'm not i'm not in the room like in the little glass you know soundproof room just you know singing into the 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 pop the pop shield yeah, i'm just yeah. like he wants me to hold this like neumann i remember it was like the this, like expensive like thousand more than thousand dollar mic and he wants me to run around just you know pretend like i'm singing at the biggest concert or whatever he's like yeah just go nuts you know in, in this huge live room where you know rush recorded or i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy i'm gonna break this oh, um but it was cool. amazing yeah it's cool that he was encouraging that he was Sometimes it was. He was super. To have that outside guy just be like, just go crazy, like don't hold back. Especially if you're you know, feeling awesome. a bit nervous or something. And I mean, yeah, it can be. It can be a little nerve wracking because, like I said, I was not a singer per se before the records before we had started recording. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously the the band and the producers they're always like, yeah, give it your all, you know, like do this. But he was he was like, he was like banging on the windows and like you know like. <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff with the, the, you know, um, was, he was like, you know, air humping the machines and stuff like that. Come on. You know, like it was, it was very encouraging. And then, you know, when Russell was drumming on that record, he was, Russell's already in a crazy drumming, insane machine of, of drummer abilities. And, uh, Nick, Nick, um, Nick is super good friends with Dave Grohl and Dave Grohl is a super good drummer. Yeah. So Nick, Russell did a couple of songs, and Nick, like he showed Dave Grohl overnight one time. We we came back to the studio. He's like, "Hey, I showed my buddy Dave these song, Dave Grohl these songs," and he's like, "Who's that drummer? He 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 freaking kicks ass!" You know, like <laughs> yeah, we're like, like Dave Grohl put said that, that on the sticker of your, of the CD. <laughs> I know. Little... <laughs> I know. They didn't. That, that yeah. That we we didn't get to choose what went on those little like promotional stickers or oh, okay. like I would have said that. Yeah. Dave Grohl likes this drummer or something like that. And so that kind of like that kind of stuff was really encouraging. Just. And it's just honestly because Nick is—he was very excitable. He's very exciting, but excitable. If you see him on any of the interviews, the documentaries, he's like into the music. Yeah, you know, he loves working in the studio, and he's—he's he's super into the, what he's doing. Yeah. It's awesome. But <laughs> well, I'm sure that was encouraging for you guys going in, maybe feeling like you know, like this is you know, we're signed to Tooth and Nail. We've got this mm-hmm. batch of songs. Like, you know, sometimes you can maybe go in and you know, maybe the producer just you know is kind of half-assed about it or is distracted and. You know that that changes how excited you guys get and how much effort you put into it. So that's awesome that that he was just really stoked on you guys. 
well, it was also a good first experience too. Like yeah. our first go go with that, you know, um, you know, everyone's excited. Of course, uh, you know, we had we had honed the the sound of a couple of the songs already. We had we had never die and suffer on the independent. Um, oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, and we had we had re- we were trying to do those for like those were like it was independent, but those were like you know we had spent a long time doing those. We had a tape demo of of, of, of never die. So there was a couple of versions of that, and then and. Uh, it was just, it was fun, yeah. I would say that was a good, a really good experience. All of them were actually. Yeah. So you I was guys, thinking about the next one too. You guys had signed to Tooth and Nail already, like before More Than Conquerors, or was that part of kind of you know them putting you in the um, studio and seeing how you did and how it sounded? And I don't remember. I mean, we we're definitely signed before we got that because, yeah, we we signed. I don't remember when when exactly we did, but they they signed us based on the. Um, it was kind of. I guess right after we had toured with the independent record some, sometime, sometime there in between. Cause we were, we were touring with that one. I remember we did that, had it at Cornerstone, took it to Hawaii and like different things. So yeah, yeah, it was, I don't remember how long after we got resigned, but, but I remember you said on the, on your podcast, like they put out the stuff every year. I was like, man, we actually were in the studio all the time. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. It's like a little, that's pretty fast. But yeah, it was been, and there were songs that we did that didn't even make the cut because you know Sean was a songwriting machine. Yeah, well, that's all. I'm sure you guys are stoked on having a guy there that was just ready to go and you know such a skilled guitar oh, yeah. player and brought a unique sound to the band. And yeah, oh yeah, awesome. for sure. Do you remember what what it cost to record More Than Conquerors? I do not. I I, I was not good at the books. Uh, okay. I could probably ago. find I could probably look through some through some folders and paperwork and find out, but it's like I, I I'm sure it was um a little bit more than our had previous records and a little bit less than it would cost now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well man, I can distinctively remember watching the music video for Feel the Burn on a on a tooth and nail VHS compilation. And I just like, oh, man, immediately yeah. fell in love with that song and had a different pace to it than, you know, most of the other songs on that album. I just really like that one. You know, I just even right now I can hear it in my head and it just makes me want to go back and listen to it. Are there any other standout songs on, on that album that, that you wanted to highlight or ones that still feel special to you? On More Than Conquerors? Yeah. I we I'd written one. Actually, I'm sorry, Russell Russell had written Russell actually wrote a lot of of the he wrote some a lot of guitar riffs, and he he still does. He's like he's a good guitar player. Oh, but he wrote that he wrote that song "Rest Assured." He wrote that riff for "Rest Assured." Oh yeah, it's a really short one. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I I um I felt I wasn't when I was I was inspired to write the lyrics about him, about him and his son. Hmm. And it was really just short song, and I didn't uh, I didn't have kids at the time. And now that I have kids, I'm like, man, that song's really. <laughs> that song really means something to me, you know, to, to my sons and stuff. Um, if you listen to the lyrics of that, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm your dad. We're going to do this together kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, just cause of, based on our backgrounds, you know, song songs and lyrics, like, you know, all about, all about our dad's leaving and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to have a song where it's like the dad that stays, the dad yeah. that supports you, you know? Yeah. No, that's, um, that's yeah, cool. You can go back and it has a different meaning for you too. Yeah. It ha- it's weird too. Cause yeah, that was well now twenty years ago. Jeez, um, so that was way before BC, before children, you know. Yeah. Um, for me, and then um, there's there's uh, um, I don't know. There's there's some goodies on there. I guess now that I'm looking at the track listing, but um, Control. Sean wrote Control, 
Um, it's just, it's slower, like kind of like the feel the burn vibe, feel the burn vibe, but it's got it's got like really good. Um, I, I just really like the riff in it. It reminds me of like something All would write the band okay. All. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just like or, or like I said earlier, like soul surfing. Like if it was the soundtrack to a surf video, it'd be like a more of a, sl- a slower longboard short wave kind yeah. of part. Um, <laughs> um, it's just, and but it's just like a total like I surrender all control. I, I just basically. I almost inspired by like strong arm kind of lyrics. Like oh, yeah. I, all I have to, I give, you know, kind of thing like, Oh man, it was just, it was just really powerful uh, singing that one. And, um, and I remember I had to go back into the studio to record, to sing with Nick. Cause he's like, can you do like a, a t- another, like a harmony over the whole thing? I'm like what? <laughs> so if you listen to that song, there's like, to go back I'm singing, I have two, I'm singing two different tracks over the whole song. Um, so, and it was the first time I think that I had done that. And it was meaning. It was meaningful to me because I was like, "Oh, I can, I can kind of like, uh, I, I have, I can, I don't know if it was like I figured out I could like have a different voice or like use my voice in a different way instead of just yelling or something, you know." Yeah. So moving on uh, to the next album, which is um, one of my personal favorites, and I'm assuming a fan favorite, and that is uh, "Building a Better Me." Uh, so that album oh, yeah. st- still holds up so well. You know, I never get tired of listening to that album. You know, that opening riff on the title track just still gets me. I can still remember hearing it for the first time and just being so stoked on that. Um, so what inspired the, the songs on that album? Well, that one has, that album has quite a lot of songs, I think, for, yeah, I think it's got 16. for a punk album, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but that was, a, that was just a culmination of, we wrote, we wrote, we wrote a lot of that on, the, on tour when we toured, uh, Alaska and Canada, actually, okay. um, we were writing, we were writing that record and, um, there was, I mean, we all had a part in writing the music and the lyrics and it was just, um, we were touring a lot. So like we were, I think we were just at, at our, um, uh, I think we were just really enmeshed in each other's lives and, um, you know, uh, vibe together really well with like yeah. writing and such, yeah. like somebody would be driving and then two people would be on the next bench in the van writing a song and one person would be in the back either sleeping or writing lyrics or, you know, or wrote, it would rotate like that or like be inspired by something. But I mean, um, I have like notebooks and notebooks of, of lyrics and Sean was writing lyrics. Oh, to, and awesome. He would, he would, he, he could write, you know, music and, and sing at the same time. And so could Russ. So they, they had a bunch of songs. And, and then uh, also at the time I had a house in San Diego we, and we had a, we had a recording and practice studio in the garage. So we would just play all the time. Like basically like a full-time band should is just when you're not touring and, and you're not chilling, you're, you're working, you're yeah. like practicing all the time writing. And that's, you know, I've heard, I've heard interviews from a lot of my favorite singers and songwriters and bands. And they say, yeah, they, they practiced like four hours a day for weeks before they were even like going to the studio or even going on a tour. I was like, man. Yeah. And I remember we kind of did that for a while, like right. Perfecting some of the songs and some of the songs in there. Um, you know, we had a big chart and like, you know, scratching things off the chart. Like we're not going to do this song. We're not going to do this lyric. It was like a full on, you know, production uh, in our own little recording or practice studio in my, my little, my little garage studio. Um, so that helped uh, cohesion um, you know, and, and like picking out different, uh, different things that would work or didn't work or whatever. And then we got to record in this, 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 uh, we did the music in San Diego at the studio. That's, um, it was pretty famous at the time for recording a lot of the San Diego bands. And, um, you know, um, 
music music production there and then and then I did the vocals in Blasting Room at Colorado. Oh yeah, awesome. With uh, you know, the Descendants guys run that place. So that was that was pretty awesome like another jump to another really famous studio and producer like wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool just that whole the whole experience of that and you know, um, man, thinking about it now, that was crazy too cuz I remember we found out we finally like some idea tooth nail was whoever in charge booking booking the studio for us like like okay you got it next week and you got to go it's like the day after easter and sean and i sean and i are like what so we were we we just sean and i drove from san diego to to fort collins colorado like oh. overnight you know 24-hour drive Crazy. to get to the studio on time uh i think because i think we left after like a, we were playing some huge show in san diego like we some big festival we already booked for but we also got booked last minute at the studio so we're like okay here we go like finish the show pack up and drive and <laughs> drive to colorado yeah um and then yeah. just so we could do the vocal and then you know we get there and Stefan edgerton was was our was the producer and okay. amazing awesome. uh it was so awesome I love that guy and you know thinking about you were talking about like the different records and studio experiences and stuff it's like looking back at it we had crazy awesome studio and producer experiences even though we had a different one every time, it was like, mm. they were all like famous, you know, like yeah. amazing punk producers and stuff like that, you know, we're just thinking about through each album. But anyways, but to have the Descendants produce your record, oh my gosh. Oh, that's unreal. <laughs> yeah. So he's like an amazing guitar player and songwriter and, and, and um, well, he doesn't sing. He told us he does not sing. And we actually got him to sing on that record. Mm. Um, I won't tell you where, but you can, he's on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Was there any times yeah. like in the studio with those kind of guys where you just like felt like you weren't good enough or just kind of feeling of course, like yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not so much with Nick because I didn't know who he was. Um, he was he was amazing on More Than Conquerors. Um, uh, me, me personally, I, I was not I was never as confident on the on the microphone. I guess like just because I hadn't didn't have that background. It was just my own my own like fear of of you know that it's kind of st- the same way i would get kind of like stage fright before each show yeah but then later i found out i later found out it's just adrenaline you know right. adrenaline yeah. pumping you know in a good way yeah um so i was always like con- you know not as like uh i guess confident in, in the things that i was doing or di- didn't come up with as many as many as many ideas as i as i could have like until after the fact like oh i should have done that there but i mean that might be true for everybody i guess yeah but Oh, that would have sounded great, or whatever you know, like sixteen more harmonies, or you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But I mean, but then working with Stefan, um, that's just more of like, oh man, you know, like I mean, we became good friends, but like, oh, it's so, you know, oh, just just who you are is amazing, you know, like almost like almost like a little bit of of idol worship, you know, in a yeah. in a in a good way because he's so he's so chill and humble, and you know, he doesn't he totally does not have to be chill and humble, right? Yeah. But he is, and that's amazing. Yeah, so you kind of answered one of my questions there. I was gonna just was gonna ask how you wrote such a such a good album so quickly. But you know, sounds like all you guys were on were on the same page and just you know working your butts off and writing and and downtime, just really pouring into the band. And yeah, I guess that's the, just the way. Because since we were on the road, we're like, you know, we got we got some more records to write, so yeah. let's let's go for it. And we didn't really know any better. We we're still young band and new on the label. Like we didn't know that we could wait and just tour one record for one year and then write for a little bit and then go in the studio and then tour that record. We were just like pump, 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 pump. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, I mean, 
And, and no one told us any different. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. Like, was there any pressure from Tooth and Nail, you know, on that on that album, especially it being kind of the follow up, or or was it just strictly you guys had talented songwriters and lots of material, and you just wanted to get out there? Um, I mean, I would. There was there was some some pressure, but um, they they just you know they wanted it, they wanted it to succeed, and they I think it's a good business model to be like, okay, this first one had X amount of success, we want the next one to be just as or better successfully yeah. and stuff like that. Um, we didn't really get, I don't, I don't think we got on, put on, you know, that many big, we didn't do a lot of like, a lot of big supporting tours. Mm. We were, we were kind of like doing our own like headline tours, but, but you know, who, who are we? We weren't like that big to be headlining, if you will. Like yeah. we could like some, some really small places, but like we were still not that well known to be doing that. Um, it would have been it would have been cool to 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 do it that way, but we had you know we we had some successful spots in the country mm-hmm. for sure. Like you know we were good in all the places where there was surf and skate and snowboarding scenes, like Florida, Colorado, San Diego, Southern California. So like because those places were already doing the those kind of festivals, like where there's like you know half pipes and skate ramps and all this stuff, right. they needed bands like us to come play and bring you know get get the crowd riled up, um, stuff like that. So so we 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 had certain markets where we were doing better in than others um just just because of the sound itself yeah. if you will but um but yeah like uh I, I, the pressure was just more like um okay let's let's start booking at least maybe it wasn't pressure i should say but it was, it was they weren't they were not like there was not definitely not like you know you guys could could tour for a year right stop stop touring for a second right a little bit you know like that and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's like the diy way hmm. maybe the diy way yeah. is just like is just pump 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 you know like now that i look back on it yeah well and i also think you know with them putting out the money and stuff you almost think they would have said you know maybe spend you know another year touring on this we just spent you know 50 grand on a, on a record so mm-hmm. that's that's interesting that you know a year later that they were okay with like yep yeah, go put you in another awesome studio and spend whatever and yeah like um Maybe it was that. Maybe it, maybe it was a model that worked for the label. Like with the, you know, like because they had so many bands that they could just they wanted to get them on the studio and put out X amount of records and every quarter or something like that. Um, if memory serves correct, you know, like because I remember they had like their release calendar, you know, the stuff like that, and when the albums would be coming out, so we could kind of plan some tours around um, release dates and who's doing what releases and such. But um, yeah. you know. Well, I don't remember like thinking, you know, as a teenager, I mean, it was a different time back then. But I like I, I wasn't thinking, oh, another album already. Like I was always excited for new music because, you know, I was living in a small town. I had such little access to it, and so it yeah. didn't like maybe it didn't it didn't seem like too fast. So yeah, maybe it was just put out more stuff, keep people interested. People are buying it, so why not put it out? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah like the, that label had, there was a lot of bands on the label and, um, and at the time, at the, by the time we had done more than conquerors and building a better me, there was other labels and other punk bands, you know, so it, you could look at that as business competition. If right. you're, if you're, if you're the label owner or the, you know, people putting out the, putting out the money for us, it, like we got to jump ahead of these, all these, um, you know, people coming up. Yeah. So were you guys discouraged at all that, you know, maybe you weren't getting offered for, for more tours or, you know, it was your second album and kind of thinking like, all right, we've got, we're in a good 
good stride here. Hopefully, you know, some more good things come in and kind of how did that all lot of happen? Did you guys have like a good booking agent then or how did that all play out? Uh, uh, yeah, we did. We had, we had, uh, Chad militia group. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was, so he was, he was, you know, he got us, he got us booked everywhere. Um, but like I said, it was the headline as a headliner. So it was on our own, you know, whatever, whatever, however popular we were, um, going and then playing the shows. So, so they were like, you know, everything was like, you know, pretty good, decent, everything. He, he good booking agent, getting us at the, you know, the right cities and the, you know, good venues and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, at, at, I think, you know, by, by the time Matt Aragon was in the works and coming out, then, then, you know, Brandon's like, I'm going to, I want to put you on the West coast tour with POD and like do all this stuff and like, you know, bigger, a little bit bigger things. So that was, that's a good thing, you know? Um, cause that's when they were really blowing up. Um, but, and, and maybe before that, like, you know, building better me and Modern conquerors, there wasn't, I don't know, maybe they just didn't have the relationship with, with, uh, you know, the, the bands, like the, the booking agents from other labels that, that we could, we could have toured, toured with like yeah. fat, fat records or yeah. epitaph records, stuff, those kind of bands or whatever. And, or maybe, you know, honestly, maybe they didn't want to go with us. Yeah. Oh, you guys seem like you would have been a perfect band to fit in right there. You know, I had mentioned on, on the podcast, the no effects comparison and like, man, you guys blow no effects out of the water. I know they're a big band, but I don't know. I, I went back and listened to a few of their albums a few weeks ago, and I was just like, man, this is terrible. Bad lyrics. <laughs> Everything kind of sounds the same. There's not really anything that great. So I yeah, know. I mean, you know, and now they can just do whatever they want. Like, they're not really, they don't need to prove a point to any, any for anything now. It's just, yeah, they can, yeah. I mean, they just got their thing going on. They can, they can write a ska record or they can do a, a fake cookie, the clown kind of, you know, like whatever. But I mean, thanks. That's, that's nice of you to say. Yeah. They, they, they still got, they still got some bangers, you know, here and there, but, um, I definitely have, I definitely do tell, have told a lot of people if there wasn't for, if it wasn't for no effects, there'd be no dogwood kind yeah. of thing. Or, no, that's true. You know, if, yeah. if it wasn't for battle legend, you know, those kind of things. So like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not ever going to like, I'll never forget my first love kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I think that you know they have they still they're still playing so there's something to be said about I guess the listener themselves too. Yeah, it's just all washed up forty year olds that can't move on like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, like with building a better me, like to me, it's such an accessible record. Like it was a bit more poppy than More Than Conquerors, and there's so many catchy songs on it. And you know, you've briefly mentioned that you guys didn't get you know much press or publicity for that. And like, was there a reason for that? Or why, like, why didn't that album kind of blow up a bit more? Or was mm. it again, um, just, you know, not the right opportunity at the right time? And I think a lot of stuff is about timing. I mean, we got pressed. There was like some, you know, the Punk Times was a, a magazine that was, uh, or Scratch Magazine, or yeah. City. There was different like little punk publications here and there that I would see us in, or, um, and you know. I feel like we're kind of always a little bit under the radar and in, in the scene in general. Cause like, not that I, not that I would need this or anything, but you know, we're not the type of band that's on the cover of HM or anything like that. Or, yeah. um, doing that. We did never play a main stage at Cornerstone or, you know, like, mm. um, you know, like just under or just behind uh, these other tours or something like that. It's like, um, kind of like a little bit, a little bit shying away from the spotlight, if you will. Like, mm. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, it was just like, 
the way the way it was meant to be for us or like yeah. you know it's like i mean i hope it wasn't because we were pissing anybody off or anything like that but right but it was just i don't know what it was you know like um so were you guys aware not, of that like at that time were you thinking like man why aren't things happening or was it just whatever was going on was was going on you were happy with that whereas were you always trying to kind of achieve a little bit more um yeah i think that obviously we wanted to have each have each record be very as successful as possible the most the biggest selling record in the world or you know anything like that but how does that happen you know right. what what do you have to put behind that to make that happen and mm-hmm. were we putting out enough uh, energy and and uh, effort to make that happen in in the the promotion ourselves with tours and you know video or anything like that um yeah like i mean i mean brandon definitely you know he got we got a building better me video that's actually done pretty professionally um the 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 video itself for the title track is is you know we went up to la again and recorded in santa monica and stuff like that and that was a that was actually a really well done video um with some airplay and stuff like that um so there was there was definitely some some push behind it and you know and maybe it was maybe maybe honestly maybe we were in since we're in the christian scene maybe we were not maybe we weren't christian enough for some christians and maybe we were too christian for the secular crowd you know like kind of that kind of that kind of rub i mean that's always a a thing that we kind of like uh teetered on you know like we're sometimes i'm saying jesus too much on stage and sometimes i'm not saying it enough or um or i'm saying hey maybe the things that you believe are not true because of this or, or, you know, stuff like that. I'm just, I was, maybe I was just too confrontational or challenging two people in the church, you know? Yeah. Um, as a church person, it's like <laughs> being a little bit divisive, but just, just because I wanted people to kind of, I mean, it's in my lyrics, like think for yourself kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, well, it sounds like that was maybe a that. common theme then, you know, for the, for bands, you know, not Christian enough too Christian. And it's like, man, just maybe that was the case. Yeah. Like, like building a better me won. We won a San Diego Music Award. Yeah, that's with right. that record, and um, you know that caused, that caused some 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 conversations between everybody. You know, in the in the uh, the scene in San Diego, and you know, are, how can these guys be punk rock or like those kind of things? And we're like, I don't know, man. We're just we're just doing the music that we love, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like- and hey, and the the critics or whoever voted and we won so yeah, exactly. i don't know do you remember who you were <laughs> up against with us uh i don't i um i don't remember who we were up against directly um it was it was not like blink or anything like that it was yeah it was, was a bunch of other in, independent bands was Azalea dying in that they wouldn't have been in the our our category oh, they would have, okay. that would have right, probably yeah, been metal yeah. if if they were even if they had even started at that time they would have been in metal oh, okay yeah yeah Awesome. Yeah. So the next album that that's up is uh, the reissue that was released on Face Down. Uh, so what mm-hmm. was what was the intention in, in re-releasing that, and and why was it on Face Down versus versus Tooth and Nail? Well, that was the independent one that we we did on our own before Between oh, okay. Rescue. You so know, I guess so Tooth and Nail wouldn't have owned that then, right? Correct. Yeah. So we had this record sitting around, and I was good friends with Jason Dunn, and he's like. Um, you know, he he obviously was at the time. Face Down was, you know, I think right at the time. I think the only like kind of punk band on Face Down was maybe like The Deal. Okay. Yeah. Um. Um. And, and then there was some other ones that came up came right shortly after that. So, um. You know, we were just good friends. He's like, hey, what if I just? What are you going to do with that record? You know, blah, blah blah. I'll take the tooth and nail songs off of it, and you know, um. I was like, we we're like, sure, why not? You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cause, cause we had only, we had only pressed a thousand copies of our independent record. Oh, okay. So and how so, did face down do? Um, I want to, I mean, at least, at least a thousand, I think that was the thing I was maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe more cause he wouldn't, he might have done it for a thousand, but I mean, since we only pressed a thousand, it was a good way for us to get more, more of our records, you know, yeah, definitely fr- from it. And, and, you know, uh, and still be within, be within the contractual obligations of tooth and nail, you know? Yeah. So that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't recorded or anything. That was just, no, you guys no, and- we didn't, we didn't remix it or anything. It just he just took the songs off of it. Was that a thought ever to to re-record or remix or anything? Or um, it, just- it comes up it comes up every once in a while in conversation because um, um, well I still have the, I have the master tapes for it the reel to reel it was on two inch tape oh wow and um, so it has that like kind of a really rich sound already and um, the, our our friend Joe recorded the drums on that at the time Russ was not in the band and then he came back after that so I was like oh man what if Russell recorded these songs. Jeez Louise, that would have been insane. Yeah, but you know, it's like some. It's also one of those things. Like, let's you know, we can let that be a chapter and and a, you know that different sound or whatever. Um, and that's a record also that <clears throat> we had recorded everything like from midnight till like six a.m. So oh, wow. my voice is my voice is super gruff and like um, you know it's, it doesn't sound like my my other record voices, yeah. if you will. Um, but like Jason liked it, you know so. <laughs> And it's got some. We got some. We got some fun songs on there that that I love. Yeah. Still. Well, it's always cool just to release more stuff. You know, whether it's a great sounding record or not for for fans of the band. You know, it's it's an extra piece of, you know, kind of your history. Yeah. And and it's cool. You know, even thinking of my band, I still have people asking for like the terrible albums we released before. I'm just like, why do you want this? Like. <laughs> yeah, people like it. Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time for our old stuff to be come out on vinyl or whatever or like and actually that independent record not not i mean like the face that one too my, my buddy dan dan did the graphics and stuff but like okay. the original original was a hand painting oh, wow. from our, our our good friend harry and, and that's my favorite like artwork he just like you know painted this he was an amazing painter he was painting for all these like surf companies and stuff like that and we just happened to know him really well and he did this artwork for us and then what happened, how it got on the CD case was just the guy who did all the, um, the layouts and stuff for rescue. We, we stayed, stayed in touch with him and he took a picture of the painting hmm. and, that, <laughs> and made it into the, so I'm like, I need to find this painting. I want to put it up in my house. You know, it's this, this insane big painting, but yeah, yeah awesome. good artwork. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So moving on to, to Matt Aragon, Matt Aragon, is mm-hmm. how you pronounce it? Um, Aragon. Aragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I remember with that one, you know, reading that it was about about you know a good friend of you guys who had supported you guys through a lot, and just thinking, you know, like mm-hmm. man, that'd be amazing to have, you know, an awesome band name their album after him. And was there, you know, and then on, on Wikipedia it said that you know he was, or you know, a bunch of stuff had been going on with you guys at that time. And like, was there something specific that that you wanted to to share about that, or or was it just Wikipedia. that he? I mean, I, I mean, with let's see, well, let's see with the band. I mean, he was just always a big supporter of the band, like from from the very early days, like um, through thick and thin days. And we used to go. He's from Arizona, and and he would always hook us up with tours and shows around the whole Arizona area um, with whatever bands, or he'd put on shows just to have us there. You know, if we needed a spot on tour, he would hmm. you know put on the show in his backyard or like all this stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh, just you know, is not. 
there's just not a lot of people like that. And we got yeah. to meet his whole family and stuff like that. And I don't know. We just, I guess we just thought it'd be cool to kind of like conceptualize him as, as kind of like the every, the every fan, hmm. if you will, yeah. like as, you know, like, you know, every band or, or every group should have a, a supporter like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and then what the cool part about that, that, um, concept or that, that album cover and everything like that was that tooth and nail flew him up to Seattle and, um, you know, put him in the red shirt and he, he was like basically going around Seattle getting photographed. Um, I forget which, who was doing it. I don't know if Brandon was doing it or, or, um, another person who was not the tooth and nail photographer at the time, but it was like, they would like put, they were trying to get pictures with other people wearing the Matt Aragon shirt. Like, um, Zayo had a practice with the shirts on and stuff like that. And I was like, I was like, give me that picture. And they didn't want to put it in the album, you know, (laughs) Um, all this stuff. So it was, it was a really cool, like just a fun, fun way to finish that concept. And then, you know, um, and, uh, I, the Clark brothers did a really good, really cool, like, uh, graphic design stuff with like different quotes and stuff like that. Mm. That kind of, it was just like a whole, I guess, encapsulation of like, what does it mean to be like a, um, what does it mean to be a, a supporter of a, of a person? What does it mean to be a supporter of a band? supporter of this this music and you know and and support what you believe in and still yeah. be um relevant in this world you know yeah well that's um, a really cool and different different idea that you know don't hear about often was tooth and nail like did they have any reservations about that or they didn't care no i don't i mean they they i think they dug the what we were saying like you know like i think it was i think it was brandon's idea just like let get matt on the phone let's get him up here and like do this whole thing you know, like I think he was wanted to go like for uh, was it was it <laughs> I think one of his ideas Brand, one of Brandon's ideas was like let's get Matt on the cover like and make it look like like one of the Weezer covers where it's just like Matt with a color one color background or something uh, like that or we're like no <laughs> nope we don't, <laughs> we don't want that yeah um, it was but it was just funny because he he wanted he wanted to play with the idea of just the whole concept of just having this one person be the be the record. Yeah. So is he on the cover? I can't. I can't quite remember it. Because there's like a flame uh, and a match or something on the cover. Yeah. Right? I don't think yeah. he's on the actual direct cover, but he's oh, okay. he's in the he's all over the layout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got a shirt uh, maybe last year, or the year before, with uh, yeah, the Matt Arrigan artwork on it. That I think Indie Vision. Music oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so that was mostly the, the the match flame and the um, yeah this the the concept the concept art all put together. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys thought of of putting out any new, other new merch? Um, not really. No, like I mean, if we were still like, I guess if we were still like playing or like, you know, recording stuff like that, it would be fine to like, hey, got this new, got this new merch coming out or whatever like that. You know, like um, stuff like that. But like right now, it'd just be like remakes of old stuff or yeah. you know, but I mean, still be amazing. I guess so. Yeah, like, it, but there's also that kind of thing where it's like the out of print you know hard to find yeah yeah shirt sure. or hoodie or like i i pulled out some old shirts that, that now fit my my kids you know yeah. that that my wife and i used to wear like these we wore these these are small but like you know oh yeah i remember that i remember that uh design or i remember that album or yeah and we just made like we'd go on, on tour and make like five different shirt designs and then you know and they're gone you know yeah. <laughs> When you see somebody wearing a, a picture of it in Indiana or whatever, you know, or, or Winnipeg, you know. Yeah, there we go. It's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the production on, on that album, like, it's definitely a bit more raw than, than the other albums. And I think you had mentioned that, like, you'd recorded it to two-inch tape, and then I, I don't know all the technicalities of recording. What, what kind of made you guys decide to go that route, especially after releasing a, a pretty polished-sounding album before? On Matt Aragon? Yeah. Let's see. I don't think, uh, I don't think we did that one on tape, because we, oh, we went okay. up to Motor Studios. Another producer... Ryan yeah, Green, yeah, love that guy. Amazing, amazing. Another amazing uh, producer. You know, Fat Records. Yeah. Um, you know, and he and Fat Mike for running the studio in San Francisco. We actually got to, man, another great opportunity to be in the punk histories. You know, work with Ryan Green at, at Fat Mike Studio. You know, um, but yeah, it was. I think that one is mostly. Um, I think that was mostly on mostly digit, digital oh, okay. recording. Um, but Ryan Ryan is was really good. He's a he's a really he has really good pitch. He's a singer. Um, Sean Sean is writing a lot of songs like that were kind of like it's almost like his opus, his magnum opus, because mm-hmm. he was on he was on his way out of the band, you know, shortly after that. Yeah. So he wanted to write he wanted to write like his like you know these magnificent songs that kind of all go together, um, you know. Um, like there's actually actually on there there's a there's an actual trilogy that goes together of songs you know towards the end of the album yeah that's right yeah um and then there's like the actual the song about Matt Aragon and um do or die Russell wrote that song um lyrics and everything um just there, there's just some a lot of like songs on there that are uh i guess uh not issues but like stuff we're stuff we're all kind of talking about and trying to grasp and wrestle with um but then there's also the realities of, of, of the things that we're, we're dealing with in our lives, you know, um, like, uh, like str- if you're struggling, struggling with faith, for example, as you become more of an adult and you're out of the youth group scene, you're out of the college group, you are single, then you're, you're dating and then you're married. Um, and then, you know, you go, you're going through your life. What does it, what does it mean now? What does your faith mean now hmm. as you're, um, as you're growing up, yeah. you know? Um, so there's songs like that's on, um, that's on, uh, you know, Lonely Road, and that got that one. That song got radio play in San Diego because um, oh, cool. because awesome. they like the they like the melody or whatever. But it was actually a really serious song about like hiding your faith or like trying to you know struggle with growing up in Christianity or you yeah. know or growing out of it or if you will you know. Um, and then yeah, I don't know. There's just, that one had some pretty serious overtones actually. Now that I think about a lot of the lyrics on that <laughs> that record. Yeah. Um, and maybe that comes forth in the way it sounds, uh, on the final production, you know? Hmm. Um, but Ryan also, um, you know, he, he did the mixing and, 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 um, he, so he produced it, mixed it there and sent it up to Bernie for mastering. Um, so yeah, oh, that's awesome. it, it does sound a little different than, than the building band me for sure. Yeah. No, but sound wise. Yeah. But it's, it's got a, you know, it, yeah, it's got a good vibe to it still. Like sometimes, you know, obviously, or you know, most people probably like a really polished sound, but sometimes taking that away, you know, especially with a punk band and, you know, your vocals being a bit gruffer, you know, in general, it, it mm-hmm. kind of helped to like to bring those songs to life and, you know, make it a bit more emotional. So it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just... Yeah, you know, yeah. On, on that record, I wish that... Um, you know the sticker they put on the CD to like try and sell it at the store. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have put because they put produced by Ryan Green and um, but they said you know and he also produced like Diesel Boy or like uh, like he, he oh, they said like they picked band. like 
they picked two bands on I think I think on Fight Records that that I was like, why didn't you put No Effects or Strung Out or like yeah. why didn't you say like you know because he's done all these amazing things like mm. you know um, he's worked with Bon Jovi and Better Religion and like you know yeah <laughs> crazy to put that on there um, oh, but that was, that was just from where I, I don't know that was a, such a weird pick for like Diesel Boy who cares I mean I mean sure they're fine but I don't know them and oh, like yeah. you know is is a is a person in like you know, random city in Australia or wherever going to know who that is. But compared to, you know, a no effects saying no, I don't know. That was just like a funny choice for me hmm. to, in my eyes. Yeah. Diesel boy. Well, maybe they were trying, <laughs> you know, like on one of our albums, um, you know, FaceTime wanted to put, you know, different bands, you know, instead of like Comeback Kid or, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of the bands were putting stickers saying, you know, recommend it if you like, you know, this popular band. Yeah. And so they, yeah. they picked some different, I think on the Setting You Strength, they put Kill Switch Engage and Misery Signals, uh, hmm. which maybe wasn't necessarily the most, you know, accurate, but maybe <laughs> it got people thinking like, okay, so maybe there's some metal elements and some, you know, melodic mm-hmm. and hardcore and, yeah, because yeah. you know, obviously we're like, oh, I'll put Comeback Kid, you know, because they're from Canada and everybody knows them. But you know, mm-hmm. every every melodic hardcore band or whatever was putting Comeback Kid then. So, so I don't know, maybe it I, had to do with that, or who knows? I guess in my in in my and in my own his music choices and music preferences, I always wanted to be more on the hardcore side of of punk. Yeah, um, you know, like the California, uh, you know, not the snotty kind of skate punk sound necessarily which is which is fine i like that but i i really like like i said the, the hard issues and the hard lyrics and just the hard I, I like screaming and i like going to hardcore shows and stuff like that so yeah. I, I i when i look at like on on when face down release comeback kid turn it around they said compared to dogwood i was like yeah oh really oh, <laughs> or something awesome. like that. yeah 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 stuff like that or you know or if we get put on an ad with you know afi's new record or whatever i'm like yeah mm-hmm. stuff like that um so I, that's I, I wish that you know I, I could have even said we we might have even fit on Solid State as their as their punk band or something you yeah. know yeah for sure yeah so last we have the album Seismic so on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, this album didn't get much love sorry about that <laughs> yeah do, do you have any responses or, or comments to that or like did you think it was uh, unfair or like were you guys happy with that album what was going on when that album came out so you said you said Sean wasn't on that album. Sean was not in the band on that record. Oh, okay. Um, so, so, yeah, so Danny had joined. So there's the Danny era of, of, of Tooth and Nail. Um, so he had, did Seismic and some, he was a few other songs on like the, the Best Of compilation and stuff like that. Those, his contributions on, on Tooth and Nail at least. And um, yeah, he was a, you know, a different, more, a little bit more metal and dark songwriter with a little more riffy. Um, if you listen to Seismic and uh, Jason, actually our our bass player is a guitar player at, okay. at heart, and he is very very metal, um, very glammy, like when and there or stuff like that. Like yeah. uh, he, so he and Danny together, you know, wrote a lot of like the songs. The, the music is just very minor chord, dark, like you know, just you know, uh, uh, a little bit slower, um, just like slower, like kind of you know drudge punk or like just like uh like less i guess a little bit less mashy and a little bit more um kind of like that harder groove um kind of punk yeah um yeah and and then uh lyrically it's still like 
in there, but I, I, yeah. I went even deeper with some of the, the issues that I was talking about and just like went even, you know, like the f- first track, um, just straight up talking about, um, straight up talking about, you know, people addicted to drugs or like, um, how do you get out of that as a, as a, as a Christian person going to church and what do you do when you're addicted to drugs or anything like that? You know, like, um, there's some, there's some fasties on there too. Like, and, yeah. and, and Russell, Russell himself was still writing some of the, the songs too. Okay. Sean, Sean actually uh, produced that, oh, produced wow. that record well, with cool. us in San Diego at, at big fish studios where, um, Blink had recorded some of their big records. Oh, nice. So we got another great, awesome experience there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had some great studio times and, um, yeah, I think, I think what you were, I think alluding to on the different, I think you can probably just tell the different sound because, you know, Sean was not writing a lot of songs and Jason and Danny had pitched in to write the more, more of the riffs and stuff like that. And yeah, that their sense. songwriting, their songwriting style, I think showed through on the record because, um, well, for one thing, it was Danny's first record with us. And um, another thing was Jason had more songwriting presence too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're, both of their styles, like I said, really showed, shown forth um, where Sean is very, very, Sean's very artsy and he has a story behind all his music. He's, he's a music theory guy, you know. Um, he does, he has like insane chords and, and puts all the songs together in a certain way to, to tell a story through the whole album, yeah. you know. And uh, Danny and Jason, they, they want to rip they just want to rip, you know, like <laughs> they want to like rip into you with like these deep, dark chords and like this stuff. So I was trying to write lyrics and, and tempos that would match these, these emotions that I was getting from the music itself, mm. you know? And if that album, if you listen to the album, it's, it's, it's not a happy, it's not very happy, you know? Yeah. yeah Matt Aragon's very happy. Yeah. And yeah, maybe I just need to go back and listen to it more like this one definitely didn't get as much play. Maybe it, you know, I was getting into heavier music or, or stuff and just didn't get into it. I don't know. I can't even really pinpoint what it is on there that that I don't like as much about the other albums. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like uh, you know, good old days. I was I was seventeen, and then Seismic. You know, I, um, it, if you look, that's like so many albums later. I've grown, I guess, as a person and as a matured in my you know, different ways or whatever, or, or not, you know, either way, but just that the maturity of just album, album wise. And I guess that was the, I guess that was the sound of where we were, Mm. where I was at and feeling, I guess, you know, like, you know, that, that album will hit me at different times if I want to like hear some sombering songs or, you know, one song is about, one song is about like our friends, my friends moving out of San Diego and like, you know, getting into a crazy accident on their move Mm. and stuff, you know, like, ah, it's yeah. just crazy stuff to even talk about. It's crazy stuff to even think about when I was writing these lyrics, like what I was feeling when I was writing these lyrics. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Did it ever, and I mean, this was what, like your sixth or seventh album, right? So at this point, you guys had like written you know, a ton of songs. Yeah, four tooth and nail. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Did it ever feel like, you know, how are we going to write another punk album? Did you ever, guys ever think of, you know, maybe expanding to different sounds or... Uh, you mean like kind of different styles of music? Yeah, or? yeah. Like I think we mentioned on the on that episode, just that you know maybe by this point you guys had just kind of <clears throat> you know written so much already that you know maybe this one fell a bit flat, or or was that not a, a part of it at all? Um, I mean, I guess I wasn't trying. We weren't trying to put it like make it make it sound like it like it was falling off a little bit at at then, but. Um, you know, it was mixed and mastered again by Ryan Green, 
um, we sent sent him a, sent him a, sent it out there to finish, and then so he put his little touches on it and stuff like that. Um, so, but but you know, I think that not necessarily a new sound per se. I think it was just my I felt like it was the natural progression of of where we were at the time with writing and where the band was and such. And and Sean as a producer, he he knew since he was he had written the, all the other records with us, right. like our sound and like, you know, what we wanted to get out of each song. Um, and then as a producer, you can kind of like, you know, change things around a little bit, uh, uh, you know, to how, how it would best fit, you know, cause he knew us, all of us individually and what we were capable of or not capable of, um, stuff like that. I think that, um, also him trying to produce, uh, you know, Danny, he, who he knew really well, but he's also a totally different guitar player, new guitar player. Um, to the band just how does how does that new sound fit with you know all of a sudden where you have to do this record record this whole album with this uh, uh you know somewhat somewhat of a new band not a new band per se but yeah. new guitar player changes the vibe of it it's just like you know it's uh it, it would take some getting used to maybe if we had done like two records with danny it would be like a different mm. story but there was right. this one and it was a far you know it's definitely a change for yeah. sure yeah, and then so we, when we did the uh when we did like the best of Danny recorded, you know, we recorded a few more songs and there was, you know, we did two like, you know, more fast, fast punker ones, you know, whatever. And so Danny got to show off, you know, his punk riffage a little bit more too. So that was cool. Um, but by then it was like, you know, we were, I guess to the nails done with the contract and we're just like, um, mm-hmm. doing some more songs and you know, um, what, what next after that? And then yeah. they kind of, just threw the slap the artwork together and said, here you go. Get out here, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. You guys, you guys are done. Who's next? And kind of thing, whatever new, the new era of tooth and nail. Yeah. So did you uh, guys ever plan on making another album after that? Or was that point kind of like, all right, maybe we should just call it. We were game. talking like, um, we were, we were, we were in talks with like, you know, when POD was getting really huge, like they wanted to start their own kind of, you know, major label side, side thing with, with Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so we were just, we were writing some, some tracks and trying to, to do with that. And we just, just never really panned out with that. Um, yeah, we just kind of felt like, yeah, I think we ran the course or whatever. So, you know, we toured for like, a couple more years on that record oh, okay. and, um, on seismic and, um, uh, yeah, just, just, uh, called, just kind of passed the torch from there to the next, the next generation of bands, you know? Yeah. So I got a few questions uh, to finish our time here. Um, okay. Well, looking back, does it feel like you guys were a part of something really special? You know, I know that that era of music, uh, specifically, you know, for Christian punk on Tooth and Nail, holds a very special place for many people, including myself. You know, how do you see your time and influence in that scene? I think it's. I think we're at the right time for that, for sure. Um, like I said, when we when we started. Uh, when when we started, it was like we weren't trying to be Christian punk or anything like that. You know, we just want yeah. to be punk. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. we 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 were a church. We came out of the, the the Calvary Chapel youth group, sure. But like we're not like we're gonna go start a church and call it a punk band. You know, and we're just gonna be punk. We're punk kids. We're gonna start a punk band. Yeah. So um, you know, then like I said, the scene emerged, and I think I do think that we're in the beginnings of that and not, not saying that by any means that we started it because there was already a band from the seventies called dogwood on oh, either eight track. But, um, we were definitely, we were definitely very honored to be a part of that because there was a lot of 
cool bands uh, that we became friends with all around, you know, all around the continent. And um, um, it was a good, it was fun to like, you know, travel and talk, you know, talk to people about their different walks of life and faiths and, um, you know, church journeys or, or why they're not at church anymore or, or why they never went to church or anything like that. And it was just, you know, um, it was fun to hear people's perspectives, different stories and, and, um, things they had to say about why or why not, or why, why we do agree with you or, you know, or other things or why we're getting the middle finger, you know, why (laughs) all these different things. Um, but you know, there's, there's also, there's also a lot of respect, um, given to us for doing, doing the, you know, doing those things or like, um, excuse me, traveling and, and, you know, for lack of a better word, taking the, taking the gospel on the road, if you will, or, you know, doing that kind of thing when, when they'd be like, Oh, this other band's not doing this. I was like, I was like, so but they don't, you know, not every band needs to do this or wants to for one thing or, or is good at it. Why would you do it if you're not, you know, yeah, if you're exactly. not saying the right things? I don't know. Like just let, let people be, you know, yeah. um, we do it when the time is right or when we feel it's right, or I'll just talk to you after the show one-on-one or, you know, um, I don't know. It just got, it just got kind of weird in there sometimes and it, depending on the show or where you were or what the expectation it was of you being a Christian or you being a preacher or you being a Christian musician or whatever, or, or having a non-Christian in the band or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, there was, there, there was a certain point where there's like these valleys and, 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 uh, and mountains of, you know, success and, and, or not success based on mm-hmm. how Christian you could be or, you know, whatever. So, I don't know. It was there was some good times, and there was some uh, not as good. I would say, but yeah. overall, I think it was it was a good it was a good scene to be in. And the only time that it wasn't was when um, when it was getting really splintered, and it was more like everything was just kind of merging into one. You know, you couldn't tell who was who anymore, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, I think that um, I think that I was I, I think I I wouldn't change much. You know, I wouldn't change much of of what it was or what we did. Because I really liked, I mean, I gotta say, driving driving sixty hours to Alaska from Spokane, Washington, is kind of a feat. You know, it's kind of a that's kind of an epic journey. Yeah, you'll never forget that. You know? that's for sure. Yeah, and we stayed in in one family's house for two weeks. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Sure. Was well, there anything else you that I missed or that you wanted to add? You know, maybe specifically to um, the discography or any thoughts on any albums that I missed or. Uh, uh, well, I did want to, I guess I would mention that, that independent record when we were first doing it and first writing demos for it, we were, we were, um, we were were almost writing it for, um, to show, showcase it for like, um, Warner Brothers, Electra, you know, like WEA group Atlantic. So, um, but then when we got to like the certain point with them, uh, they wanted us to, I guess, change a little bit to cover. They had a song written for us that we were supposed to cover by this other band that they had that they built it failed. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's not, and they, that's why that was one reason why um, the preschool days on that record is longer with a longer intro, because that was written. That was like a remix remake for, for that demo for them. Okay. Um, because, because it's radio length. Um, so that changed the sound of preschool days. And so now that's where there's two versions of that. Um, but I, I was, we, I was, we had all these long discussions about, about it when we were, talking with our manager at the time he was trying to like get us on this label. And I was like, I don't know. That sounds really like, sounds like they really want to control us and like make us into this, you know, this scene, you know, this other, this band, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to kind of like build on the success. I think of, you know, 
Green Day or NXPX or anything like right. that. And I was like, I, I don't sound like that. I'm not going to, I can't, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I can't, I mean, no offense to those bands. I love them both, but I, I don't, we don't, we don't sound like that, you know? And so, um, I was just like, it's not going to, so I was like, let's just, let's just stay independent. And then, and right, almost right after we had made the decision to not do it, you know, tooth and nail came, we, we got with, you know, we got, with, um, tooth and nail. So that was a cool little like history, um, yeah, no, a little awesome. piece of our, it was like a, it was like a stressful time. actually, we're like, Oh my gosh, what if this, what if this happens? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. We're just this little, we're just this little band, blah, blah, with these little, these little punk songs. And then, but when we got to the nitty gritty of dealing with like their, their people, like, you know, they, they had people come down and watch us at these, these little, these Christian festivals down here. And, you know, like, well, you guys are pretty good, but we can make you the next big. It was like full, cli- all the cliches that you right. hear about the yeah. major label. Like, I mean, I know bands that have had, our friends have had success with some of the majors and some have not and stuff like that, but I didn't want to be in the latter camp of, yeah. you know, of not of you know getting breaking up because because of them i was like right well, we're gonna break up on our own time you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i'm glad you guys went with tooth and nail i love that you guys are part of that history and oh yeah just... it was i'm super honored to be part of that their their legacy and stuff like that yeah awesome man well thanks so much for taking the time to to come on here you know my the 16 yeah. the 16 year old in me has been freaking out this whole time just <laughs> like it's you know it's so weird to think when i was that age like it just it wasn't feasible to even connect with a person in the band unless you know they came through town right. or something. So it's just yeah, such a different you know could just do it through social media and it's like yeah, let's do this. And, yeah, that's the uh, beauty of podcasts these days. It's like I mean, we're not touring musicians anymore. We can figure out another way to do our hone our craft. You know, like yeah, do, do some podcasts. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Well, now, thanks. Now so I got I got to go. I got to go listen to your album. Yeah. Yeah, let me know if you got any pointers or any hate for me, too. (laughs) (laughs) That will do it for this episode of The Lost Tapes, Growing Up Punk. Uh, If you want to follow us, actually, first and foremost, wherever you're listening to this, you can find it elsewhere, too. Uh, Make sure you rate, you review, you subscribe, do all that podcasty sort of stuff. And uh, if you want to follow us on our social medias, uh, we got Twitter, at Growing Punk Pod. Instagram is at Growing Up Punk. Should probably get those things, like, put together uh aaron is on instagram at aaron grew up punk and i am on instagram and twitter at david growing up so that'll do it and uh th- thanks thanks for listening so, so bye <laughs>